The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called over a little child, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. What is your opinion? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray? And if he finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over ninety-nine that did not stray. In just the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. The Gospel of the Lord. It's interesting how the Lord turns the table here on the disciples. He, they're asking him, they're trying to figure out who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom that you're building. You know, how can we kind of make our way to the top? How can we set ourselves apart and perhaps become one of these greatest? And the Lord calls over a young child who in, in old Jewish tradition wouldn't have had even the right to sit among the elders in, in a community to hear the books read, the, the, uh, the scrolls of the, the Pentateuch. But yet he calls this little child over and says, and says that none of, none of the, even the lowliest among the community will be lost according to the Father. That their perspective perhaps is askew. They think, uh, they're thinking too much about themselves and the righteous and not enough about those who, are need, who need to be called, who they need to serve and to minister to, to go out and to reach and to, to encourage. And, you know, I don't know, I, of course we believe in providence, but today we have this beautiful image of the, the 99 and the 1 on the same day as a memorial of a, a really profound 20th century martyr, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. And this is it's a slightly different different approach to this, this passage, but it's something really important because I think there's a lot of people out here in the pews, and myself included standing up here, that have people in our lives that we're really concerned about. Um, maybe it's a, a sister or a brother or a daughter or a son or a niece or nephew, someone, aunt, uncle, someone in our family who has lost the faith, and we're, it's really bothering us. And you know, we're really concerned about this person and what's going on in their life. And we want to do anything we can to try to reach out and to bring them back, you know? It doesn't seem like any of our efforts, no matter what we say or what we do, really helps them. It's important to know that it's, it's Christ, the Good Shepherd, that reaches out 
bring them back. And today's saint, Saint Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, is actually a really good example of this. Saint Teresa Benedicta was born Edith Stein in the early 1900s. She was born in what is now Poland, but at the time Germany. And she was the youngest of 11 children, born into a Jewish family and raised Jewish and, and lived the faith with her family up until her early teens when in her education, in her process of studies, she began to lose touch with her faith and slowly but surely became a really ardent atheist. She was incredibly brilliant, very smart, top of her class, and not many people know German philosophers, but she became a student of Husserl, which is one of the most famous German phenomenologists. And then at the same time, she was a, a, a pupil along with Heidegger, who's another really famous top, of, like the highest you can think of when you think of German philosophers. Heidegger is like one of the most foundational. Edith Stein was a contemporary, and not just a contemporary, she was just as brilliant and just as smart and writing just as profound philosophy as Heidegger and Husserl, her teacher. So she was really smart, but as smart as she was, her heart was, was not united with the Lord. She, what, she, had, she had lost the roots of her Jewish faith. It wasn't until she was in college in that time, you know, she's writing and she's doing different things. She was, uh, she was with some friends and they, they went out to do something she didn't want to do. So she stayed behind at this place they were staying at and she was looking for something to read and she found a copy of the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. And she sat down that evening and started reading this biography of St. Teresa and she never put it down. She stayed up all night and read what is a really thick tome of an autobiography of a, a powerful mystic and read it cover to cover. And when she set it down, she said, this is the truth. This is, this is real life. And in that moment, her atheistic heart was converted. Her love for God was rekindled. And she started down a path of conversion that led to her eventually leaving academia, taking on a new name, and entering a Carmelite monastery, becoming Saint Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. She was a profound student of the human person. Phenomenology, her specialty is about how is about knowing the human person and how we uh, perceive reality and how we respond to it. So she was a really adept student of this and to try to you can go find her work you can go pick up a book authored by Edith Stein and I it's a it's not really easy to understand because it was it's so complex philosophically but later on after her conversion she had this this change in her philosophy not necessarily a change but a new perspective and all of a sudden she started to write she took Benedicta of the cross because she was such a she was so struck by the love poured out by Christ on the cross. That she, she started to focus on the, this, this view of charity of 
Christ's suffering on the cross and what that means for us. And so she, she had wrote her later stuff when she was a Catholic um, nun, if you find those kind of writings, they're a little bit easier for us to, to pick up because they're spiritually, you know, in tune with us. But if you get her early, just German philosophy, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. But anyways, so beautiful because although she seemed like a lost sheep of the tribe of Judah, she, she had left her Jewish faith. It was through God's providence that in her atheism, even though she was just this bright intellectual woman, you know, in a time when, you know, women's rights weren't respected, she really made a name for herself. She was getting published and all this kind of stuff. But in that, even in that ambiance, she was able to hear the voice of Christ calling her back to the flock, and she followed. She followed Christ all the way to her own martyrdom. On this day, August 9th, in 1942, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross was marched into a gas chamber in Auschwitz, Poland. She had been a sister for quite a number of years and was still publishing and writing and doing all these things. But then at one point, she had moved to the Netherlands to try to escape the Nazi reign. And the Nazis decided to start rounding up Catholics with Jewish last names. And they grabbed her out of the convent along with some other sisters and began her, her, her trip to Auschwitz. She was transferred a couple of times. She even was given the opportunity to escape. But she said that at that time that she couldn't see, she couldn't live with herself if she was going with her sisters and with all of these people towards a concentration camp and escaped by herself and allowed them to go face whatever horrors were in front of them. She couldn't avoid the cross in her life. So even before she went to the concentration camp, she spent like a, a couple years, like, or I think it's a couple years, preparing herself. She kind of knew the inevitability. This, the writing was on the wall for Edith. She knew that perhaps the Nazis were coming. So she started to kind of go through self-starvation and she'd expose herself to cold elements. She's like, I need to get prepared so that I can survive in a concentration camp and bring hope to them. You know, to, she started to prepare herself for that cross. Edith Stein was delivered at Auschwitz on August 9th. And when they would separate out the Jews to go to the different camps, she got the ticket right to the gas chamber. She didn't spend we don't even, not even a whole day in a concentration camp before the Nazis exterminated her and so many others. This lost sheep of Israel, who was called by, the, by God back into the fold, left such a profound mark on the philosophy of Western Europe, on the example of Christians throughout the world, that even though she had converted from her Jewish faith. She knew so profoundly and strongly that her, her roots, her her, that she was united with these people, that she could not turn her back on those who were suffering. And so, as a student of the cross, was so willing to share in that suffering of Christ on the cross that she was able to face the worst horror of the 20th century. And there's no doubt that there was some fear in that gas chamber that day, 
But I'd like to think that Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who had made those choices one after another as she was called back to the flock, was a sign of peace, was a sign of comfort to her brothers and sisters in that chamber. And today, she continues to be a sign of hope for all of us, especially those who have had family members who are now self-declared atheists. Because the Lord never forgets that one sheep. He never gives up. And although right now they might seem like they have no faith, they, like St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, may one day shine brightly for all of humanity to look upon. May be a symbol of Christ's love on the cross for future generations.